Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Hey everybody, welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Canyon Bakehouse. I am your host, Henry Chisholm, and we're going to talk a little bit of basketball today before we get into football. Uh, Before we jump into the show though, I want to tell you guys that you need to be checking out um, the certified gluten-free breads, bagels, English muffins, and other baked goods uh, from Canyon Bakehouse. They're a local company. Uh, You can find their bread which uh, you you can get without gluten, without dairy, without nuts, without soy, whatever your dietary needs are, you can get bread or whatever else you need from Canyon Bakehouse that feels like you're eating real bread or English muffins or whatever. Uh, so definitely check them out. It's it, it's good stuff. You can get a coupon from canyonglutenfree.com. They're in every major grocery store, in the freezer or the fresh bread aisle. Check them out if you need to, or even if you don't need gluten-free bread, just check them out because it's still good bread, and gluten might be bad for you. I don't really know. Sounds like it should be bad for you. Um, That's about it for that, though. So, big news today. Uh, Actually, no, we should start with yesterday when I I said that Colorado, the soccer team, was playing Arizona State last night that was totally wrong honestly couldn't be much more wrong turns out they're actually playing Arizona and that game is today and I only found that out after looking through the guide for way way too long trying to turn that game on and then getting angry at the Pac-12 network for not carrying the game when it says it would or like maybe it's on the national and I get all the different local channels through sling the whole system kind of just pisses me off to because it's the only way that you can watch the Pac-12 network um, so I was really mad at them. Turns out I was the idiot and most of my anger should have been at myself. So that was a fun time. And hopefully you guys didn't do what I did and spent a lot of time trying to watch that soccer game because it was not on. Turns out they play a different team on a different day and that team is Arizona and that day is today. So if you're going to put a bunch of energy into trying to watch a soccer game, do it tonight instead of hopefully doing it last night and that's my bad and I will double check those things instead of just trusting myself going forward. Um, It will be a lot of fun though and this does give me another chance to hype up Taylor Korniak and JJ Tompkins and the rest of this buff soccer team that should be undefeated and has a chance to start Pac-12 play off with a win, go to 10 and 1 on the season, I believe, 9 and 1, something like that. Super impressive. Check them out. 8 o'clock Mountain Time. Uh, actually on the Pac-12 network. I'm not lying this time. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Also, I got a chance to check out the Buffs basketball team for their first practice of the season. And we're going to talk about that in a second, but I have a fun personal story to tell. And that's that I'm in an argument with my fantasy football league about the punishment for our league this year. Um, Basically what happened is like half of us thought we'd pick numbers and stuff and half thought that we were going to wait to figure out the numbers. But the punishment is this. You're stuck in an IHOP or a Denny's or something for a set amount of time, but for every pancake you eat, you get to take some amount of time off of that time. And so we're trying to figure out what the number is. Um, Maybe it's like 24 hours and you get 30 minutes off for pancake, which means if you eat 24 pancakes in 12 hours, you get to leave. Um, It's getting into a heated argument about pancakes and time, and it's stressing me out a little bit. Um, Trying to stay out of it. 
Some people want the pancakes to be lower so that you have to eat more pancakes. Some people want to keep the incentive high and make the time higher so that you can keep eating more pancakes. And it's a mess. And it's a mess that is weighing on my mind much more than it should. I'm a fan of like 18 hours, 30 minutes for pancake. 24 pancakes and six hours you get to leave. I think that that's fair. Oh, boy. Um, but... Luckily, I get to talk to you guys for an hour and not pay any attention at all to my fantasy league and their pancake arguments. This is what life is for me at this point, and that's just still so weird to me. Um, basketball, though. We've talked a little bit about the basketball team, not nearly as enough as we should, and we're going to just kind of keep easing our way into basketball season. Uh, which starts November 6th when the Buffs travel to Shanghai, China to take on Arizona State in their season opener. Uh, I do not get to go to that because China's expensive, um, but they, I'm sure, will have a blast. You'll remember in the past, like, whatever, not Lonzo Ball, not LaMelo Ball, the one that isn't good at basketball who played for USC. He, uh, like, stole some stuff when they were in China. So hopefully none of those storylines come out this year, but... I don't know. Always lots of drama on those China trips. Um, back to the buffs, though, because that's what we care about. Like I said, first practice was this morning, Friday morning, bright and early. I was up in Boulder. Um, by week Friday, no days off, though. Um, it was heated. It was competitive. It was uh, very fast. Also, I mean, first of all, I have to say, watching these basketball players in person, so impressive. And as we get closer to the season, I'm going to start pressuring you guys to go to games because I've heard that not many people go to Buffs basketball games, which just blows my mind. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be something else. I wrote a story about it. So check that out on BS or, Oh, Oh no, I did it on the DNVR.com. And you can read about my conversations with McKinley Wright and Evan Batty. I'll give you a quick, quick summary though. And that's that, I mean, basically these guys are hyped, so hyped. Um, they say that practice is much more competitive than in the past, that this is a totally different vibe. You know, Evan Batty and McKinley Wright, who are actually best friends, got into it on the basketball court today um, because there's this much tension and it's not bad tension. They're all happy about it. They're excited. You know, ESPN, I was going through all the rankings. ESPN has them 24th in the country, 4th in the Pac-12. I think Bleacher Report, maybe it's SB Nation, uh, has them 2nd uh, in the Pac-12. Sports Illustrated and Athlon Sports both have the buffs 1st in the Pac-12. This is new, and I don't want to give away too much of the story, but these are just kind of like facts, and so I don't feel that weird doing it. Um I feel like we owe it to the subscribers to give them content that you, the rest of you can't have. But uh, in the last nine seasons when Tad Boyle has been coach, they finished within two games of 500 seven times. And I'm pretty sure the other years there were three games away from 500. Uh, it's just been a very average Pac-12 basketball program. A couple NCAA tournament appearances, but now they have a chance to make a run. Won 10 of their last 13 last season. And McKinley Wright was telling me it was after that Oregon State loss at home, they lost by two, that things changed. He said people realized that there were a lot of good players on this basketball team. And so it was time to stop making one pass and shooting, making two passes and shooting. It was time to move the ball around, get people involved, get the ball in the post, and trust each other was what he said. And that's when the shift happened. Now all of those guys are back. Uh, all, the, all those guys are back this season. Sorry, I, I got to turn my screen off. There's another stupid pancake message in the Facebook app. Oh, <sighs> pancake. I don't even want to eat a pancake at this point, which is too bad because I am losing this football league. Uh, you guys don't care. Nobody cares about other people's fantasy teams. Sometimes they care about the punishment, and that's why I told the story, but we're not letting this overtake this Buffs basketball team. So back to the Buffs. Um, yeah, they have everybody back this year. Uh, everybody's been working. You know, Tyler Bay was out at some Nike camp because he could have gone to the draft 
last year. I think right now he's projected as a mid first round pick, maybe mid to late. Um, some places have him like right on the edge of the lottery. He's a good basketball player and he's probably not their star. If somebody's going to win Pac-12 player of the year this year, it's going to be McKinley Wright, who's now a junior, had one of the best freshman seasons in Buffs basketball history. I think it was the team MVP as a freshman, and he just keeps getting better. Point guard. Uh, impressive to talk to. He seems like he has everything under control. He was working out in Arizona for a month. Um, it's just such an exciting time, and to actually see them out on the floor, they're moving. They're moving the basketball. They're shooting. I mean, just the shots that they practice even, watching them run to the corner, catch a ball, and just shoot off of one foot as part of a drill because that's something that they want to be able to do. They have some shooters. And with the three-point line moving back a little bit this year, I honestly think that that could be an advantage for the Buffs because they have some guys with range. It's uh, it's going to be so much fun. It's going to be so much fun. Um. I hope you guys buy in as much as I'm going to buy in. I'm going to see how many of those games I can get to because I mean, there really shouldn't be too many conflicts now that I think of it with football. So it's going to be a wild ride. The Buffs have a real chance to make some noise. I mean, if, if they're actually the Pac-12 champs, that puts them up there in the elite of college basketball. And, you know, the Pac-12 the last few years hasn't been as strong as it historically has been. Um, but... I've seen some takes that that's changing, and I don't know enough about the conference as a whole to give my own take, but even in the ESPN power rankings of the Pac-12, they said, you know, this is going to be a stronger Pac-12 conference than people realize. So it's going to be a gauntlet. It's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of good basketball teams coming to Boulder that you guys get to see. And I get to see, which I'm excited about. And then, of course, the Pac-12 tournament in Vegas. And then see what happens in the NCAA tournament. That's a long ways away. We don't know nearly enough about this team. But the key is all of these guys say... I mean, when I asked Evan Batty, like, you know, McKinley said the vibe is different this year. He said, oh, this is different. And that's what you want to hear. I mean, it's a little scary. It's it's definitely a little bit scary. I mean, are they going to get worn down from being this competitive in practice, this locked in? They aren't taking nearly as many breaks. Evan Batty's off of Twitter because he doesn't want to see what anybody else says. The I mean, uh, Tad Boyle, the head coach, was saying that as well today. You know, it's it's a grind. They want to keep playing basketball. They won't be playing basketball at the end of March. And that's a long ways away, and it's going to take a lot of work along the way to turn this basketball team into what I believe and they believe, and you guys probably should believe too, the national media even believes, should be one of the best teams in the country, which is so much fun to say, so much fun to say. They have to go out and prove it. They have to show that the last 13 games last year wasn't just a fluke, but a lot of things just line up so well. I mean, you look at what the Nuggets did last year. Obviously, lock up the two seed, look really good, make some noise in the playoffs. It's a young team. They're coming together. But what really started all of that for them, the reason it worked out, was that they got off to the hot start. They won, whatever, nine of their first 11, 15 of their first 19, or something like that, something crazy. And the reason they did that is that in the NBA, so much changes every single year. Every team is totally different but the Nuggets weren't. The Nuggets pretty much just ran it back. I'm pretty sure they lost Wilson Chandler, and that's it. So that's a similar position that the Buffs are in right now. They will have a chance to just start hot while the rest of the teams are figuring themselves out. Maybe not to the point that NBA teams usually do, but figuring themselves out nonetheless. New players coming in, figuring out who can step up to fill the roles of Guys who left for the NBA, who graduated, whatever happened. Buffs need to get off to a hot start. They got off to a hot start today, but like Tad Boyle said, if you can't have a good first practice, I mean, what are you even doing? You know, everybody's energy's high, everybody's bought in. Challenge is going to be seeing what they look like a month from now when they're still two weeks away from their first real basketball game. And they've been playing every morning for quite a while. And what do they look like in December, in January, in February, when if they do get off to a hot start, they might be sitting there at, you know, 13 and 3 and 
when you're right there, it's easy to get complacent. And McKinley was talking about that too. He said, you know, we, we know that you can't just sit in, I think he said he can't sit in bed and win a Pac-12 tournament. We can't just sleep to a Pac-12 title. We have to be in the gym working. It's good to have that mentality now. We'll see how it holds up. We'll see if guys get worn down. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. It was awesome getting up there and finally meeting everybody. I'm, I was impressed. I was impressed. You know, you never know what to expect when you step into a new team, a team full of college kids, but like the buffs, they seem focused. And honestly, honestly, there was a part of me that wanted to go up there and be like, Oh, you know, these guys don't really seem as put together as the football players, just so that I could feel like I'm not quite as much of a Homer at this point about these buffs athletics so I could say like, okay, I actually am seeing this football team correctly. They really are this put together, this focus. They they are real adults. Um, but that didn't happen. And hopefully that's because my, like not because my gauge is off, but because Rick George really does run a tight ship. And these two teams are as good as I think they can be. So there's some Buffs basketball talk on the first day of practice for the Colorado Buffaloes. I'm high on them. And, you know, I don't have too much to gauge that off of other than they won a lot and that I've heard good things and that I really enjoyed talking to them and they seem like they're put together and that they're dunking over people at the end of practice, like like doing like doing dunk contest type stuff, like having one of the managers come out and stand in the paint and then jumping over and dunking, doing these drills where they're running to the side and pulling up threes. You know, that's not a shot you want, but... If you're stuck taking that shot, you better have practiced it. So they look like a really good basketball team. I'm I'm sorry that I've I mean the Montana Grizzlies basketball team I covered a little bit last year. They were really good, but I mean they were like a 14 seed in the tournament, 15 seed, maybe even no, I think they were 14, 15, somewhere around there. They were a good basketball team. They were nothing like this, and it's not like I've been covering a Duke or a Kansas and really know what what is going on uh with that impressed me though boy are they great athletes uh this is tailing off which means it's probably time for me to stop talking about it uh working on that still sometimes the tails keep running kind of like it is right now to be honest but before we move on uh and talk a little bit about uh this arizona ucla game because that's what i think we really need to do um I don't think any of us are just taking a week off from watching college football. And so I want to give you a preview of what to watch for from Arizona, what the buffs want to see out of this game. Before we do that, we're talking about Breckenridge Brewery, who, as you guys know, I am a big fan of. Uh, drank some, which one did I drink? I drank some Strawberry Skies last night while we were watching a Thursday night football game. And uh, oh, I kind of want to talk about the Thursday night football game too. We're going to go to Thursday night football and come back to Breckenridge Brewery. There was one thing in particular that I really wanted to talk about, and that is, I can't remember who the interception was. I can't even remember which team. Uh, shout out to the Strawberry Sky for that. And here's what happened, though. The defense lined up in a double-A gap defense, kind of like we saw a lot of from Arizona State, uh, something we've seen more and more across the NFL. When I say that, now that I realize that might not be super commonplace, so you line up, it's basically your nickel defense, which means two defensive tackles, two defensive ends. I mean, you can't call the ends edge rushers. Your linebackers might take those jobs, but that's basically what it is. Four defensive linemen, but the defensive tackles are spread out a little bit. Um, they aren't lined up in the A gaps, which is the gap just outside the center on both sides between the center and guard. So gaps go A, B, C, you know, outward from the center. They spread wide, and then your two inside linebackers come down and fill those A gaps. So then when you're looking at it, it's, it looks like you're just like a six-man defensive line, defensive end, defensive tackle, inside linebacker, inside linebacker, defensive tackle, defensive end. And then sometimes you even bring a cornerback up there or a safety up there and stack them on the outside. The idea being you just put as many guys on that line as you can and then rush some, leave some back. Sometimes you just send more guys than the offense has blockers. Sometimes you send five guys on one side and leave the two on the other end just dropping back in coverage. You're trying to confuse the offense. Um, something that we were prepared for with Arizona State. We talked a little bit about it. Probably should have given you those details back then instead of right now, and then we could have built off that and just made this a lot quicker and got back to Breckenridge Brewery. Did not happen that way, though, and so here we are. Uh, the point of the story 
is that the quarterback dropped back while the defense was in that double-A gap. I want to say it was the Eagles running that double-A gap thing. And gets the ball in the snap. The inside linebacker in the A-gap just stands there. He just pauses, waits a half second, um, maybe a full second, and then takes two or three quick steps back, cuts off the slant, picks the ball off, and it was just confusing. You know, the the the, uh, the quarterback didn't see him. Aaron Rodgers didn't see him, and he threw an interception because of it. And it's just that little bit of trickery that the double-A gap can give a defense you know, because it's not that he was immediately dropping coverage. It's not that he was rushing the passer. But from the quarterback's perspective, when you see that, you take a second and you read what's happening after the snap. So you look up, you see if, like, before the snap, see if you can figure out where guys have to be, where the holes are if those guys aren't be there. Give yourself a couple quick reads and then grab the snap, uh, immediately see who's dropping, who's coming, and then make your decision quickly. Forces quick decision-making. And uh, what the defense did is made it so that first read looked like the linebacker was going, but he was just standing there. And so he stands there long enough for that to be what Rodgers read, takes two steps back, picks off the slant. It's great imagination, great creativity. And the point of the story is, after all of this, is that that's something that I really want to see the Buffs do more of. And I think that it would really help them. We talked a little bit with Ryan a couple days ago about this kind of stuff, about the defense kind of being slow starting, letting teams work their way down the field, maybe feeling them out, seeing what their base defense looks like against the offense. But what I want to see them do is get on teams early, try things early, get creative, do stuff like that. And I don't think we've seen enough of that sort of creativity. It doesn't have to be that double A gap stuff, but that's just, you know, it's, it's, it's the, it gives you, on that play, if it's a passing play, maybe it's a 10% chance of an interception, a 5% chance of an interception. Much more than on your typical play, just because you throw that confusion in there. And you can't do it too often, otherwise it doesn't become as valuable, it doesn't work as well, because teams get used to it. But more of that. I think they need more of that defensively. Um, and that was my takeaway from the Thursday Night Football game. So back to Breckenridge Brewery. I uh, really like their beer. I'll be drinking more of their beer tonight. I'll be drinking their beer all weekend. Parents are in town. My parents are going to be drinking their beer. Uh, tailgate on Sunday. I'm supposed to be out there at like 7 a.m., I think, outside the Broncos Stadium helping set up. I'm not sure when it's open. I probably should know that since I'm plugging it. But if you show up at 8, it'll be set up for sure. Uh, hopefully, I'll see you guys out there. It'll be a lot of fun drink some Breckenridge beers because they support us and so we support them and it's a lot of fun um back to football though oh wait actually there's one more thing that I have to tell you about and that is the Glendale Raptors so on the weekend of October 5th and 6th uh which is next weekend like a week or eight days or something from today all that stuff um at Infinity Park, there will be a bunch of rugby teams from a dozen different co- uh, countries. They're playing rugby sevens. I don't really understand the difference between the rugbies, but if any of you are like big rugby guys or girls, uh, then you can know that that's the kind of rugby that they'll be playing. Uh, adult passes are $20. You can get $5 off when you use code BSN5. Uh, kids 12 and under are $10. Three and under are free. And that's for the entire weekend. There's going to be a bunch of rugby. Uh, there's also a food festival with um, international food. I think that's $50. And you get to drink a lot while you watch rugby, which I, not being a rugby guy myself, those things sound like they go together. And so hopefully they do. And hopefully you guys check it out. I know I'm going to try to be out there for the second day. Obviously, Colorado plays Arizona on October 5th. So I don't think I'm going to make it then. But rugby is going to be cool. It's one of the big tune-ups before the 2020 Olympics, and we are lucky to have it here uh, in Colorado. So check it out. All right. Now, time to get back to football. And today, since normally this is like a preview day for the Buffs game, but the Buffs don't play, we are actually going to preview this Arizona-California game because I think that it's important that we all watch it and learn from it, and that will make it a lot more fun to talk about this Arizona football team next week. Plus, uh, you guys are probably all college football fans. So you're going to be watching it anyway. So 
let's talk through this as I watch this Arizona-Texas Tech game again, and boy, are these teams terrible. That's the number one thing you need to know. Sure, Arizona beat Texas Tech, and Texas Tech sounds like a good win, but this is just bad football. Having sat through this game a few times now, what you think is every time that somebody makes a play, it's pretty much because the defense screwed it up. And that's the kind of football that we've kind of actually been seeing Colorado play because uh, the defense might not know exactly what it's doing yet. But that's what we're seeing here too. And it's early in the season, so a lot of teams are that way. But it's just blown opportunities everywhere. Dropped passes everywhere. Missed passes to open receivers everywhere. Open receivers everywhere because the defense doesn't know what it's doing. But there are a few things that Arizona really did well in this game. And this is the game from two weeks ago. What's that? That's week three of college football because Arizona had a bye last week. So they've actually had some time to rest up coming into this game against UCLA tomorrow night. I don't think I've plugged the time yet. That's it. 8.30, I believe, on Pac-12 Network. And here I am doing the I believe thing again after screwing up the, 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 the whatever soccer team thing. The point is... Uh, yeah, they play at 8.30 tomorrow. I know John Van Deest is playing, He told or watching, he told me that, and I know I'll be watching. You guys should too. Um, one thing to really watch, though, is this Arizona, Arizona pass rush. The Texas Tech offensive line is not very good. I haven't heard much about them or read much about them just because Texas Tech as a football team is kind of irrelevant to everything that the Buffs are doing this year. Like Even if things go well and they make a bowl game, Texas Tech is not going to this. Uh, this is not a good football team. Um, the but but the point of that is is that I don't know much about this offensive line other than what I'm seeing in this game, and that's that they don't look like they know what they're doing. And uh, Arizona's defensive line is torching this offensive line. They're getting pressure most plays. Texas Tech's quarterback is just on the run, fighting for his life, making terrible decisions when he gets out of the pocket. Um. So keep all of that in mind. We don't know right now whether this Arizona pass rush is really good or if it's just because Texas Tech's line is underwhelming. So that's the first thing that you guys should be watching for, especially because we know how much differently, how how how, how differently uh, Stephen Montez plays based on whether he's being pressured or not. If he's not being pressured, we saw against Arizona State, he is one of the best quarterbacks in the Pac-12. He's very efficient. He has a lot of options, and he makes good decisions getting the ball where it needs to go, rarely misses passes, just looks in control of that offense, and it's an offense that he can keep on pace ahead of schedule, not just on schedule, but working its way downfield, finding big gains, finding long touchdowns, but being consistent as well. When the pass rush comes, that's when things start to disappear. You still have those big gains, because sometimes he does have time to throw and make those good decisions, but you lose that on-schedule part that is what makes this offense so good. It isn't just explosive. It can also be consistent in the passing game, and that comes from limiting the pass rush. So pay attention to Arizona's pass rushers against UCLA. See if they can get the quarterbacks off of the... uh, get get the or yeah get the quarterbacks off of their spots and make things difficult cuz that's what they did in this game they made things hard they forced quarterbacks to make bad decisions all right so there's one thing the second thing is that honestly you guys are not going to be surprised what does Khalil Tate look like um quick recap we'll do this quickly rip the bandaid off Khalil Tate has kind of destroyed Colorado the two times that he's played it uh, the first time ran for 350 yards, second time threw for 350 yards. Yikes. Can't let that happen. Uh, you know this Buffs defense will want to shut him down. But the thing about Quill Tate is that he is so up and down. You know, last year he's a preseason Heisman contender. People are building that hype up. Is he one of the best quarterbacks in college football? Gets a little banged up. Doesn't look very good for most of the year. And uh, again, this year he's getting a bunch of that hype. You know, I'm not sure what the Heisman odds, but I want to say he was like top 15 preseason Heisman odds. 
because he is so explosive as a runner and as a passer, and those are the types of guys that we've seen do well in college football and win those big-time awards. Then he comes out and loses to Hawaii week one, I believe. Um, Doesn't look impressive. Does not look impressive in the last couple of games either. The You just don't know what to expect from him. I mean, he's he's like Steven Montez, but a billion times less consistent. He can come out, play great. He can come out and just make you wonder how he even has a, a helmet, why the team gave him a helmet, why they're letting him wear the logo, because it's just a mess. It The decision-making can be bad. The arm can be bad. We saw both in this game. Just decisions that make you scratch your head. You see him lob a ball up to where there's only a one defender. Like, not a receiver and one defender, but just, like, the one defender standing right there. And he'll catch the ball, won't catch the ball, doesn't matter. It's a terrible decision, and that's something that the Buffs will have to take advantage of. Um, also in this game, saw Cleo Tate, I believe it was, like, an 88-yard touchdown run uh, where he just took the ball, ran up the middle, and took off. Outran all the defensive backs, obviously outran all the linebackers, defensive line because he is so fast he is a threat in the running game even if he can't throw the football so again definitely keep an eye on that as well um part of the reason and this is the third thing to watch which is kind of tied into the second to be honest the third thing to watch is um the receivers because these arizona receivers have had terrible a terrible time with the drops so far this season just balls bouncing off their hands they it again this football team looks really bad uh like it it's confusing it's confusing the decisions they're making their inability to convert and also yeah uh, one more thing before we end this segment things to be watching out for when Arizona plays UCLA tomorrow also be watching out for the Arizona defense because the reason that they are two and one is that they're forcing turnovers I think at one point they were leading the country in turnovers forced they're still right up there they're picking balls off mostly off of bad decisions to be honest there are a couple forced fumbles um so see if that continues because when you watch this Arizona defense you don't think that this is a team that should be pulling those turnovers. They aren't they aren't in tight coverage. They aren't doing those types of things, but they keep getting the ball somehow. So I expect that to kind of die down as the season goes along, but if it doesn't, that's huge for the Buffs. So also pay attention to that tomorrow. Can they keep forcing turnovers or the first few weeks, the first three games kind of a fluke? Um, so those are really the four things that I think that you should watch out for. First, the Arizona pass rush. Is that a real thing? Is that something that's going to continue? Um, again, UCLA, not a team that you can learn a whole lot from just because we don't know what they are. They're losing to bad teams. They're beating good teams, um, beating one good team. I still think that this is a really bad football team as well. Um, but just from the Arizona side, pay attention to the pass rush. Pay attention to Quill Tate. Does he look like he belongs on NFL field? Is he or on a college football field? Is he making decent decisions? Are there receivers in the frame when he throws a ball somewhere? Uh, is he putting the ball in the right spot? And then, you know, for him, it's just is he doing enough in the passing game to keep the defense honest and allow him to run the ball? So that's uh, another thing receivers with the drops is that a fluke or is that what they are then defense with the turnovers is that a fluke or is that really what they are um should be an interesting game most of these pack 12 games are i don't think it's going to be super influential as we get further down the line in the pack 12 season neither of these teams look like they should be contenders i have them as the two worst teams in the pack 12 south and two of the three worst teams in the entire conference i still have arizona ahead of oregon state I think, I think I'll probably move UCLA above Oregon State too. Still, Pac-12 football, relevant to the Buffs because Colorado actually plays both of these teams down the stretch. And we'll talk more about UCLA when we get close to that game. But there's a quick preview of what to watch for Saturday night um, because Colorado has a football game next week. And as much as the bye week sounded like, oh, nice, relaxing week off, 
I kind of just miss, miss watching them play football. And at this point, I don't think I can take not seeing Buffs football for 13 days. It hurts to even say, but they'll be back next week. They'll be back, or I'll be back in Boulder on Monday talking with them about next week. And I'm excited for that. Uh, before I get to your questions and answer them, I want to talk about uh, our friends over at Total Beverage. I've, I've hyped them up before. I've talked about how they have just an incredible selection of, of Breckenridge beers, by the way, but also everything else. Like you go in there, I have bad eyes and I'm supposed to wear my glasses, but they're not bad enough that I actually do wear my glasses. In fact, I broke my glasses at a, the Nebraska game when everybody stormed in the field, got in the mosh pits, took some awesome videos, and then got like a bunch of likes on Twitter, which is something I enjoy. And but the point is, when I got out of the scrum, I I put, tried to grab my glasses. I had them like hooked on my shirt collar, pull them out, and there's just an arm missing. So I've been going one armed on my glasses and wearing those around town and getting made fun of for it. So now that I can't wear my glasses in total beverage it honestly gets a little frustrating because i can't see far enough across the way to see where everything is because that place is just massive and they have crazy selection uh good deals too also that's another important part when you're buying things they do have good deals and they have a special deal actually for um for dnvr podcast listeners and that is that if you use their app or their website and make a purchase of $25 or more, then you can use the code DNVR2019 and save 30%. 30%. That's a lot of money. 30% off your purchase of $25 or more with the code DNVR2019. Um, they also deliver uh, to almost all of the metro area, Lakewood to Boulder, Aurora to Brighton, and they have super low prices. So check them out. Um, that's where I do all of my liquor and beer shopping. That's where I stock up on Strawberry Sky and the other Breckenridge beers because it's good good stuff and good deals. Okay, uh, final segment now, talking about what you guys want to talk about in the comment section. As always, if you leave a comment on today's show, the post for today's show on thednvr.com. I will read it on Monday's show, and you can control what we talk about. You have a question. I'll give my best answer to that question. You have your own thoughts on, I don't know, buff soccer tonight on uh, the basketball team, which is practicing through the weekend, um, the uh, UCLA-Arizona game. Drop those comments, questions, into the comment section on the post for today's show on thednvr.com and we can talk about those. If you have enough, it'll be two segments. If not, it'll be the final segment like it is today. Um, actually, just one comment today and that's from B Mixer. He says, nice job. On Montez, not everybody matures at the same rate. Big Ben took till he was in the NFL and had some issues before he matured. Uh, he did have issues. He was slow to mature. I don't. I mean, the issues were that he was. I, I'm not. I'm not sure. I don't want to like say this wrong, but he's. I think. I believe he settled a rape claim. Um, not just some issues, but serious, seriously awful things that he. I'm, are we supposed to say allegedly in this case? If he settled, I'm sure, something like that. Um, luckily. We don't even have to compare that to Montez. But yes, Big Ben, I don't know if you can call that immaturity, but there was definitely at least poor decision-making. And, you know, guys have to... I don't know if that's the comp that I would go with just because of the severity of what he did. But, you know, there was like the Eli Manning showing up drunk to I, I think everything did he show up drunk to everything in college so I mean Montez is a step ahead of, ahead of him at this point it does take some time to mature yeah um he said I wish Montez was more consistent but maybe three different styles of offenses with three different OCs has something to do with it totally agree there 
Uh, that is not easy to do. That's part of the reason people give Drew Locke a pass for what he did at Missouri. You know, Drew Locke, one of the most hyped prospects in his class, goes to Missouri because of, you know, he had family ties. I think his, like, uncle was there. Or, or his grandpa was a great football player there. His dad did something there athletically. I think his mom did too. Wanted to carry on the family tradition. And because he was on kind of a bad team, he had three different offensive coordinators, had to learn three offenses. He kind of got a pass for not knowing all of them as well as he probably should have. Hopefully Montez gets that same pass. It'll be tough though because he wasn't the same highly rated prospect. Because when a guy like Drew Locke goes through that, all the people who said, oh, this is the best quarterback in the country at the time, they're still in the media. And they're still trying to push the narrative that they weren't wrong. And so they'll say, you know, it was for this reason. And f- and because of that, Drew Locke gets the benefit of the doubt. Um, because he that's that's just what happens to guys who, in, in his case, were the top prospect in his recruiting class. But also for guys who, you know, are drafted in the first round. You know, there are all these things that change the narrative that aren't really based on capability. I don't know that when it comes to the draft, Steven Montez will get that same benefit of the doubt that some other guys get and don't deserve anymore just because they were more successful in high school or looked like the quarterback who should be taken. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, But yeah. It is very difficult to adjust to three different offensive coordinators, three different styles of offenses. We, we, we like to say, you know, it's his third year as a starter or whatever, but it is totally different what he is being asked to do this year. He's being asked to read things downfield, and that's going to take some time to learn because he wasn't asked to do that much at all last year. It was all just this behind-the-line-of-scrimmage screen stuff that we don't have to get too into. Oh, that's another thing that I noticed with the Arizona offense um, that I wanted to bring up in the last segment. Good thing my meandering thoughts brought us here again. But a lot of what Arizona does offensively looks like what the Buffs did offensively last year. You know, read options going into screens, put four receivers to the left, three on the line or by the line, and one a couple steps back behind them. Throw the screen over there. Lots of RPOs, lots of uh, read options. Kind of looks like my Madden offense, to be honest, running all those like RPO screens that I love, but it it doesn't always work. And that's something to be on the lookout for when you're watching Arizona is, boy, this kind of looks like what the Buffs did last year. And they're having about the same amount of ex- uh, success, to be honest. Back to Montez. Yeah, going from an offense like that to one where you're doing more pro style stuff, it's difficult. We, I definitely should have brought that up yesterday. I'm glad you did be Mixer because it it matters. When you're evaluating somebody, it, we're trying to evaluate on this one scale, whether we want to call it like 0 to 100, how good is Steven Montez? And you think that there should be like this big progression. You know, if he's a 70 his first year, then he should be 80 the next year, then 90 the year after that. But, you know, that's not not always how it works, especially when you're putting him in a different offense, you kind of should grade him on a different scale. You should be asking, how did he do with what he was given in these circumstances? Instead of just saying like, he, he should be improving like this say like, well now in this offense, which is totally different, he deserves this grade for his performance in this offense. Um, yeah. And more than anything, I think that, the the best spin to put on this is that this should mean that Steven Montez continues to progress throughout the season. You'd think that as a senior quarterback who started for as long as he has, he'd be a more complete product until you remember that he's still learning just like everybody else on the field. And so I do think that he he grows more as a senior than most senior quarterbacks who've had his experience would. Um, one more reason to be excited in my mind don't know whether it pans out. Maybe he doesn't, but based on how things are lining up, based on his responsibilities and how they've changed and how his responsibility was learning this offense and he's still probably learning it, still expanding the playbook. And and now he's finally getting to use it. You know, it's not just knowing, oh, on this play I do this, but understanding how it actually works on the field in a game when they're trying to do what, 
how you can manipulate the defense with this offense. Because it's not just about like knowing the playbook, knowing what everybody's supposed to do, but also knowing how to use it as a tool because that's what an offense is. It's, it's, it's a tool. And it takes some time, not just for Montez, even probably even more so for the play caller to figure out how to best utilize what they're trying to do. And it just means it's going to take some time. And honestly, who knows? Maybe the waiting time is over. Maybe that Arizona State game that I am now watching, by the way, for I don't even know how many times I've watched this, but this Arizona State game that I am watching again, they ran the offense perfectly. They used it perfectly. Hopefully that continues and this is just what they're doing now, you know? It's not a fluke that this happened. It's just the next step and they will continue to progress because just just because they haven't progressed and built off their offense in the past doesn't mean that they won't now. You know, we you, you saw in the Rocky Mountain Showdown last year, they run that little gimmick offense. They run the screens and it works and sometimes it works the rest of the way, sometimes it doesn't work. It was just kind of up and down and you never knew what you were going to get. That doesn't mean that that's just what always happens in football or that's what always happens in Boulder. That's what always happens when Steven Montez is your quarterback. A new coaching staff changes things and a good coaching staff sees what works, sees what doesn't work and knows how to cater those things to the opponent and continue to build and learn and just keep expanding as the season goes along. That has to be the hope with this offense in Boulder. And, you know, there's no reason to think that it won't happen. I'm not buying the whole, oh, it, it was inconsistent last year, so it's inconsistent this year. This is a new season. This is a totally new season with a clean slate, with new people running things. And I still have faith that this offense will continue to grow and progress as the season moves along. Okay, um, we're only halfway through this comment. See, this, this is what happens when I get one comment. We just spend a lot of time on all of it, which is kind of fun. I like digging deep into this stuff. Um, hopefully you enjoy it too because you guys are what matters, not what I enjoy doing. Um, where did we leave off? Three different OCs. That's, that's where we started with that. Okay, unless you have heard things, I have a hard time seeing Levante playing when Arias and Bell have seen so little action this year. And they are not redshirting. Yeah. I mean, it's... Who knows is the answer. We don't know how this coaching staff is going to employ all these weapons that they have. Um, Daniel Arias might still not quite be ready to see the field. You know, uh, some guys take longer to fit in. He's one of those guys who I would have circled as maybe somebody who Mel Tucker was looking at when he said, this is a chance for guys to prove themselves. This is a fall camp week showing that you are ready because he said there are some guys who weren't ready a few weeks ago who might be ready now. Daniel Arias could be one of those guys. And I'm honestly a little surprised I didn't think of this earlier. Question is just whether he's ready to see the field, whether he understands the playbook, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and he might be. And when he does get everything figured out, no doubt he's going to be a beast. None. He's 6'4", 205, big body. Um, it, my guess would still be that he's he's the solution for next year when a couple receivers leave and you need that big-bodied guy. He seems to be the, the prime candidate to fill that LaVisca Chenault role. Um not being everything for the team, but being the traditional receiver that LaVisca Chenault is, although obviously not at the same level. With LaVisca out, I think the coaching staff would like to see that uh, timeline accelerated. I think that they would like to see Daniel Arias be ready to fill that role now. That doesn't mean that he is, though. And I just realized I said with LaVisca Chenault out, again, that's speculation. That's because he's been hurt so much this season. Um makes you think that he's probably not just going to play every snap the rest of the way. Still no update from Boulder, from the CU Athletics Department on LaVisca Chenault or uh, Mustafa Johnson. Would love would love to see it, though, um, and hopefully here pretty quick. Like I said, Tuesday they'll be releasing a depth chart injury report, and then we'll kind of know for sure where things stand. Um, also, we'll know where things stand on the depth chart with these shakeups that could potentially be happening uh, over the bye week, which they ran like fall camp. Um, Maurice Bell, yeah, we've seen him on the field a little bit. Seems like he'd be more ready for action. 
It'll be interesting, though, because there was so much hype around Levante. Remember in fall camp, half the people I asked who stood out to you, uh, especially later in camp, said, Vante Chenault. Vante is is ready to go. Um, you know, with so many options, not playing Vante might... I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that the guys in front of him are better, if that makes sense. It might just mean they're saving him for when they need more talent. When you know that whoever they pick out of Vontae Chenault, Daniel Arias, and Maurice Bell is going to be your number five receiver, you might as well put somebody out there who you know can do the job, but might not have quite as much upside so that you can save the guy with the upside for later. Um, Not saying that's the case. Might not be. Uh, He is also only 18. He might not be ready. But uh, it's one potential reason. I do think that we see Vontae, though. They, They won't just waste those four games. I don't think. Um, receiver, definitely an interesting position, though, with all those guys. Um, okay, there's more to this comment that I have turned into an entire segment. Um, do you think the CU defense can be much better if they execute, or is it more of a lack of talent and speed at some of the positions, such as linebacker? Uh, that's actually been a debate. That's been a debate among the reporters up uh, while we wait to for the media availability to talk to guys. It's one that has come up often. It's something that we've heard from people in the athletics department talk about, something we've heard the coaching staff talk about, um, the players talk about. You know, yesterday, Mikhail Onu told me, we have the talent. It's just about making sure we all do our jobs. We have the talent to be one of the best teams in the country, um, to support the offense enough that we will be one of the best teams in the country. Uh, I mean, it is a debate. It is a debate. There are people on both sides saying different things. Um, People in the media saying different things. People inside the program saying different things. People inside the athletics department saying different things. People on the team. Actually, no. The team seems pretty bought in on the talent. So, here's my take. And again, this is my take. They need more talent. That's where it starts. If they are going to be the best defense in the Pac-12, they're going to need a lot more talent. If they're going to be a top three team, or top three, top five even defensive team, I think they're going to need more talent. That said, they are not playing up to the talent they have now. And that's something that... Uh, Katie Nixon's fumble. Uh, it's rough. It's rough. Same thing happened in the LaVisca Chenault the week before. I love that we're just like watching this game and I get to talk about it. I, it's probably terrible to listen to, though. Um, point is, they they are... Like Mikhail Onu said yesterday, most of the plays where they've gotten beat, it's been because somebody on the defense made a mistake. Whether it's a big play, whether it's a, a touchdown, whatever it may be, it's because picking up a third down. It's because somebody got beat. It isn't because they just lined up and weren't talented enough to handle what the other side was doing. That's a good sign. Um, mostly a good sign. You know, you wish that they weren't making those mistakes, but you understand that this early into a new coaching staff, new scheme, trying to do new things, uh, new jobs for everybody, new terminology, which is what Sam Neuer said is the toughest to pick up. Uh, it's going to happen. You just want to get that ironed out as quickly as possible. Once they do get it ironed out, then they play Oregon and Washington and Utah and some good football teams. And I think that they still will have plays in those situations where even if they play perfectly, the speed and talent of other teams will beat them. Haven't seen it yet, though. And that might just be because it's been a small sample size when everybody's done their job correctly. Um, and most of the time, they've been making mistakes. And so the mistakes have been what's killed them. Um, that's that's my take. They can if, if they're the eighth best defense in the Pac-12 right now, which is a total random number, and we'd have to spend more time on that to pick a good number. Um, if they're the eighth best defense now, then they could get up to number five by getting rid of the mistakes. Um, and I think that they will slowly disappear as the season goes along. Maybe number four? No, I don't think so. I think if they're going eight, they can go to five. And then anything more than that, you just need more talent. And that's something that I think Mel Tucker can do. Need more speed. Need more experience. Um that's my take at least. I'd love to hear yours because like I said, it is a debate and there are a lot of people whose opinions I really respect who 
think that they've kind of maxed out, that they are doing everything they can, that these guys can't play any better than they have. I just think there's so many mistakes that they can get cleaned up, that they can take a small a step, but they can't take a jump. Um, again, that's why you play the game, though, so that we can see what actually does happen, and hopefully, hopefully they get the mistakes out so we can see what this defense is at its peak because we have not seen this defense at its peak at all. Have seen the offense, I think, about at its peak against Arizona State. Still a couple things you could probably clean up, but also in football, you rarely play a perfect game. So I do think that they have kind of topped out right there. Although, now that I think of it, they didn't have LaVisca Chenault on the field. So that just means that more plays are uh, open, just a little more open, a couple bigger windows for Steven because the defense kind of follows LaVisca around. Also, LaVisca creates more big play potential by breaking tackles, getting downfield. So they can be a little more explosive, plus I think a little more consistent, which we talked about in the first segment, I think whenever we talked about it, as something that, you know, those are the two pieces you want in your offense. You want one that can stay on schedule, and you want one that can generate big plays. Right now the Buffs have both, and I think they can improve in both regards if LaVisca shows up, but they're already so good I don't know how much better they can get. Defensively, still some work to do. And I think that that's all I can pull out of this one comment from B-Mixer. Need more comments. I really appreciate your comments because I want to talk about what you guys want to talk about. And I feel like our best stuff comes from um, what you guys want to talk about, which now that I say that out loud, sounds like a problem. I should probably have better ideas of things to talk about than you guys because it's my job. But I'd say that today you won. Okay, that's that's a lot of rambling. Um, trying to get out of here faster is one of my goals. So hopefully I'll see you guys Sunday at the tailgate if you're going to the Bronco game or even if you just want to swing by because it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm pretty sure Brandon Spano is picking me up in time to head over there and get to the stadium by 7. You'll note that the game is not until 2.30, and that's a game I'm going to, which means I'll be out of there at like 5.30 or 6, getting there at 7. Long day of football. Not getting a week without a long day of football. Going to be a lot of fun, though. Breckenridge Beers partnering with Sons of Mile High. I think we're in lot N. If you want more details, reach out to somebody at BSN. Email BSN. Tweet at me. Leave a question in the comments, and I'll give you more details if you need more details. I just don't have them right now. Um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Buff Soccer tonight. Check that out at 8. Um, it's actually tonight. Um, daydream about this Buffs basketball team because they're going to be really good. Uh, watch that Arizona-UCLA game tomorrow night at 8.30 on Pac-12 Network, and that's all I've got for you. I will see you all on Monday after I go up to Boulder and hear what's going on in game week because bye weeks kind of suck. All right. Bye, guys. I think they like my Colorado sway. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. Might not sway. I think they like my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway.
revival. Get them thugs, get them bust, mess them up, we say we got them. If we don't, then we'll get them. When we see them, then we have them. like my Colorado sway, cause when I'm in that play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly, get a bust with my Colorado sway, my Colorado sway, my Colorado sway. Man, I swear I think they like my Colorado swag. 